0: Good morning everyone. Good morning. I know that we love each other and that's a really good thing, but there comes a time when we just have to come together and start. So Uh, for some of you I might be a new face and I see some new faces and so uh, we wish you a good morning. My name is Daniel and I'm here this morning with my wife Georgie who will be here later uh, and our son Elijah We're, we're living and serving in Romania and uh so we'll be sharing a little bit about that later but before we do anything uh, i just want to go ahead and get started and celebrate the grace of jesus that he would come uh to give up his attributes as god to to humble himself to be made a servant to come and take our place which we did not deserve and so it's amazing grace and so let's stand together and just celebrate the amazing grace of jesus who came to take our place
1: Uh, This morning we have kind of a special treat. Uh, We have several, not just one missionary family, uh, we have three missionaries here today. Um, So Dan has introduced himself, and you guys are all familiar with Dan and Georgiana. Georgiana will be in here in just a little bit. Um, They are missionaries to Romania that we have a a long relationship with, but we're going to introduce you to someone new this morning. Heidi, would you go ahead and come on up? This is Heidi Koppen.
2: Hello.
1: <laughs> Your mic should be on. Uh, she is a missionary to Ireland and uh, trying to get to know a few more people in the, in the Iowa area. Uh, and so I just wanted to have her come up and just get a chance to introduce her and give her a chance to tell her about herself. So maybe you could just uh, briefly introduce yourself and where you're from. And
2: yeah, I'm from central Iowa, so um, Webster City, if anyone knows that, but kind of out in the country in the middle of nowhere. And I went to Emmaus Bible College, so I would have spent actually eight years there because I also worked there um, in a middle school and then also for Emmaus, so pretty plugged into that school. All right. Uh,
1: How did you become interested in missions to Ireland?
2: Well, I heard of this mission trip um, that a few people went on that's evangelistically minded, and it was about a month long. So it was a mission trip. Like, I've heard some of you are going to Haiti in two weeks, I think, right? yeah. And so I just thought, wow, what a a one-it's-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I'll probably never go back. Or it was my first time on an airplane, so I'd never thought, you know. (laughs) I'm a small-town person, but I never thought I would go on a mission trip. But it just saw the need. I saw so much need there. I thought I would just do youth ministry in, in America in my own culture. But God drew me and drew me and drew me to that culture until I was, I just knew I was burdened for that people.
1: Can you just give us uh, maybe a couple things that we can pray for you about as you are? When are you going back to Ireland?
2: I'm going back on Wednesday. Okay. So,
1: All right. So trip. going right back. Yeah. What are a couple things that we can keep in mind to pray for you about as you go back to Ireland?
2: Well, it's a it's a very you wouldn't you think of Ireland you think of beautiful welcoming and just a good vacation spot but it's actually so spiritually dark and I think of it as trying to plant in a gravel road, I mean, it is hard ground. And I spent the first year, I spent there two years only, and the first year has been so hard to just break that ground, but God has actually started up three brand new ministries from scratch with people who have never been to church before, never had this influence. And it's kind of a scary thing to go outside of the big established church that's Catholic or Protestant there. So God has started these ministries and they're now starting back up again just now so right now we're just praying his protection and growth and these people would be drawn to him for actual salvation and there's about five moms that are close so um, I'd love to tell you their names after if you want to know.
1: yeah, so uh, so thanks Heidi you can go ahead and have a seat again I'll take that. Let's give a hand for Heidi um, She will have a, a table set up afterwards you can stop by chat with her ask her some more questions about what's going on in Ireland I'm going to say a word of prayer to just to open our time together to pray for Heidi and for the Akins, and then Dan's going to share a little update and have some music ministry. You know, for those that aren't familiar with Dan and Georgiana, they also are part of a band called The Ineloquent, uh, wonderfully talented musicians, and, uh, you know, afterwards, go on YouTube, type in The Ineloquent, and you'll be blessed by some great music, but uh, let's just open our time in prayer. Father, we thank you. Uh, for a gospel um, that is bigger than our state, bigger than our country, a gospel that goes out to the entire world. Um, We pray for Heidi. Heidi, as she goes back to Ireland, that you would strengthen her and bless her and encourage her as she's ministering in hard ground. We pray for Dan and Georgiana and their son as they are uh, ministering in Romania, and we look forward to hearing more about that. God, may you stir our hearts for missions. May you help us to value the things that you value. Just challenge us, encourage us this morning. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, with that all, I'll turn it over to Dan.
0: Awesome. Well, before I get into what I want to share this morning, I just want to say thank you to you guys from the bottom of our hearts for your support over the last couple of years. It's, I guess it's been almost two years since we've been here. But uh, your prayer support and financial support really means a lot to us, and we really couldn't do what we do in Romania without the help of churches and and people like you. And so thank you so much for being a part of what we do. I want to encourage you guys just with a short thought from 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul's kind of addressing the church in Corinth, correcting really, because there were some who were saying, well, I'm a disciple or I'm a follower of Apollo, since others, I'm I'm a follower of Paul. And I kind of see Paul stepping in and just saying, hey, hold on a minute. Like, We're all disciples of Jesus. And he says in verse 7, neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. And so um, really what the work that's happening, the mission work that's happening around the world is not about the missionaries that are doing the work. It's about God giving the growth. And so it's not our responsibility or our work to change somebody's heart it's our work to sow the seed to invest uh, gospel seeds in people's lives to be available to be real to speak the truth as much as we can but it's the work of the Holy Spirit to change people's hearts and and it's God's work and so whether you'll ever come to Romania or not some of you maybe will come visit us in Romania some of you may not maybe you'll never leave this area but you you're still involved in sowing gospel seeds and and Doing that through supporting others. And so we thank you for being partners with us and being part of the work that's happening around the world. I know that this is a church that supports and helps a lot of missionaries in uh, all around the world. And so thank you from some personal missionaries for, for what you do for advancing the, the gospel everywhere. And, and to God be the glory, because He's the one that is is changing hearts and changing lives. And so we've been in Romania now for, for about four years, and um, we're we're involved in a few different areas of ways that we're sowing seeds for the gospel and one of those big areas I know that you guys pray for us a lot for is in music ministry so we really believe in using music as a tool to build relationships with people to speak truth to to speak gospel into people's lives and you also know Pablo and Bethany Um, I guess they were here about a year ago they've been in Romania for almost a year now and they're doing great I'm sure they'll come maybe next summer home and and share with you in person but uh, they're doing really well. They're they're an integral part of our team, and so it's been awesome to have them, and they've been adjusting well, trying to learn the language and jump into the work in Romania, but uh, we really appreciate prayers for all of us as a team and uh, for the work that we're trying to do. Um, so I just want to share for a few minutes about the music ministry because it's different than um, what a lot of people um, imagine for, for mission work, um, but but it's uh, a way that we can invest in sowing seeds of, of gospel in the people of Romania, and so... Um, the best way maybe that I can explain it is to give you a, an example of a stoplight, because we all know what stoplights do, right? So a stoplight has one primary function, and that's to control traffic in an, in an ordered way, right? And so within the stoplight, there's three different things. There's a green light, yellow light, and a red light, and those all do very different things, but the overall function is to control traffic. And so we like to look at what we do with music kind of like that, the overall purpose of what we want to do is to glorify god and to speak truth into people's lives to challenge people with the gospel to challenge people with encouragement Um, and and so that's the overall purpose but we have some different areas of outreach so we we talk about having green events which would be kind of like this like a church service or leading corporate worship engaging people in glorifying jesus together so usually at the green type events we have mostly people who are followers of Jesus, and so we come and we rejoice and exalt him together. Uh, A yellow event would be more like what we've done with our concerts, and I don't know through the years if some of you have seen what we do through that, but it would be kind of a mixed event. Some people who are followers of Jesus, some people who are not, maybe they wouldn't want to come to a traditional church service, but they would come to a concert, and so they come and it's a mixed group, and we share messages of encouragement for Those who follow Jesus, and we share challenge and and gospel truth for those who don't yet follow Jesus, and so it's kind of a mixed thing. And then we also want to be involved in what we call red events, which is to get outside of the church uh, to go to places where there's very few followers of Jesus and, and share truth and music there. And so we go into cafes, restaurants, sometimes even bars or street corners, and we want to just share music and build relationships. And what's cool in Romania, we started doing this last year, is that we've seen Uh, The most fruit probably from those red events, where we go out into the uh, community and we share music, and then people come up to us and they say, "Hey, we love your music. Where are you playing? What bar are you playing at next?" And we say, "No, actually, we're playing at a church tomorrow morning. If you want to come." And we've had people come to church. We've had people start Bible studies with us just from meeting us in the cafes. So um, it's exciting to be able to get out and share that way. Um, You can also be praying for us um, in Romania we've seen that kind of relational, personal evangelism is really what works best because it's, it's a very religious culture. So you have people coming out of the Orthodox Church who've maybe grown up in, in the church with the tradition, with the religion. They were baptized as babies into that, but it's not sunken into their hearts. They, they feel like they don't have the authority to read the Bible. They think that's something only the priest can do. Most people have Bibles, but it stays on their shelf. It's like a superstitious symbol, but they say, I, I can't read that, I don't have the authority to read that, and so um, we have a passion for getting people into God's Word personally, and just saying, hey, you do have the authority to read this, let's open it together and see what it says, so we have started a number of evangelical Bible studies, and we start in the book of John, and we just get people to sit down, read it for themselves, and we just discuss it and say, here's what it really says, what does this say to you, and so um, we've done it in English and in Romanian, and we hope to start even more next year. And so you can be praying for us as we use music to build relationships, that those would lead to Bible studies and that through those Bible studies, people would be able to see the truth of the gospel, to see the truth of uh, trusting in Jesus, not in the church or in the priest or in the religious system, but trusting in Jesus and in him alone for salvation. And so next year we even have an opportunity Uh, We met a guy from Greece. He came to start a business, and God put us in his life, and he speaks only Greek and Romanian, and I speak only English and Romanian, and so he has expressed interest in starting a Bible study with me, and so I'll need your extra prayers because he'll be reading a Greek Bible translated into Romanian And I'll be reading an English Bible translated into Romanian, and we'll be discussing having a Bible study in Romanian when it's neither of our first language. So uh, we'll need God's help for that for sure. But we really appreciate your prayers for uh, the relationships that we're building and the music that we're doing. And um, uh, the the elders asked us just to share a couple of our kind of ministry-style songs to give you a feel for what we do and what we sing. And so I just want to sing a couple songs for you. I'm kind of half of a group here because... Pablo and Bethany are still in Romania, and Georgie is is with our child, Elijah. So she's going to come up and sing a little bit later for you guys, and I'm going to sing. So I feel weird singing by myself. I don't like it. If you want to hear us sing together, uh, it's much better. I promise you that. But uh, um, you can go on YouTube and, and find that a little bit later. But um, I want to sing a couple of identity songs. Uh, these are songs that God gave us while we've been living in Romania because it's a it's a culture that really struggles with identity. Romania is a nation that has been conquered and oppressed by almost every empire in that region. You can think of the Ottoman Empire, the Roman Empire, the Turkish Empire, the Austro-Hungarian Empire, and they've just been downtrodden. And then communism came uh, last century and just devastated everything. And so you see people and they lack identity. They don't know who who, who they are. And so I want to sing a couple of identity songs because I think that's such an important theme of the New Testament is the identity that we can have when we surrender our lives to Jesus, that he comes and he changes us and he makes us new. And so I want to sing a song. We do a lot of work in orphanages and, and with orphans, even in a church that we're involved in now. Uh, there's a lot of people who, who were orphans who were, have come out of um, being victims of uh, human trafficking and, and they've been restored back into community. And so we have a lot of those types of relationships. And as we were in a church service one morning, uh, I was singing and I I saw a couple of guys in the back who had grown up as orphans without parents, and now they've come to church and they've given their lives to Jesus, and I saw them raising their hands and and worshiping Jesus, and I was just struck with this beautiful picture, and this phrase came to my mind, you are not an orphan anymore, because they may not have physical parents on earth, they may never have that, but they're in the family of God now, and they've given their hearts to Jesus, and so God is their father, and so they're not an orphan anymore, and I love that idea that, when we surrender to Jesus, he comes and he changes our identity. And so this is a song that we wrote for those people that are in our lives and, and the orphans and the the victims that we work with. Um, but I think it kind of speaks to all of us because we were all lost before Jesus, and he came and he made us new creations. And so um, I hope this song encourages each and every one of us, no matter what our family life was like or what we've gone through in life, that uh, when when God comes into our lives, that he becomes our father and he changes us and welcomes us into his family. So. The song is called You're Not an Orphan Anymore.
3: not a victim anymore Someone is restored
0: And uh, this is a song that um, I wrote when, when Georgie was pregnant with our son Elijah. He's right there standing in the back, so he won't remember this, and he doesn't know that we wrote a song for him. But when, when Georgie was pregnant, and for those of you that have become parents, you probably can empathize with this feeling, but we had all of these hopes and dreams and discussions about, well, I hope he is this, and I hope he is this, and I hope he's sporty, and I hope he's gentle, and I hope he's creative. And, you know, you have all these dreams of what your child will be and in the midst of those discussions I was I was struck with the importance of really it doesn't matter what he will be except for one thing and so so I wanted to write a song about what we hope that he feels from us and and what he hopes that uh, what we hope that he will be the only thing that that matters that he'll be and um, it also speaks to kind of what our father our good father is to us and how he parents us and so uh, this is a song uh, called You Will Be.
3: You won't always be small. You'll grow up big. Maybe you'll grow up tall. But no matter what you grow. Be good. There will be times when you don't do what you should. But no matter. It's not based on what you do, you will be loved, If the Father's love, it's unshakable, no matter what you'll be, you will be you won't always be brave there will be things that will make you afraid but no matter what the fears will be you will be love and you won't always be here Come a time and you will wander from here. start what you do you will It's unbreakable. It's not based on what I do. I will always be loved with the Father's love. It's unshakable. His love will flow through me, so you will be loved. You.
0: be encouraged with the way that our Heavenly Father wants to love us. And, and for those that maybe are here this morning visiting and you're not sure about Jesus or, or the church or or anything, just know that uh, God loves you incredibly and deeply and that uh, it's not based on anything you can do. It's not based on your works, but only on what Jesus has done for us. And He loved you enough that as we sang at the start, that He sent Jesus to, to take our place. And so, we hope that you guys are all encouraged. Again, thank you for your prayers for us. Uh, please continue to pray for us these next few months as we travel all throughout the states and and that we wouldn't lose any momentum getting back into our relationships and Bible studies and, and music ministry and all kinds of church visits that we do when we get back to Romania. If you want to know more, uh, we'll be hanging out afterwards, so come and grab us. We have a, an email list that we send out, and so we'd love to just come let us know. We'll get you signed up for our emails if you don't receive that already. Or if you signed up and you haven't been receiving them, we've had some problems with our email servers. So come let us know that as well because we'd love to keep you guys informed and in how you can pray for us. But again, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you. I know I speak for myself and for Georgie. Thanks for supporting us and, and uh, we, we love you guys. So have a good rest of your good morning. Thanks, I certainly want to
4: thank Dan and, is it Georgie? And Heidi for the work that they do, and can't encourage you enough to stop by and talk to them after the service and see what all God is doing in and through them. I'm excited to, to get to know them. And they never got a chance to, to say this, but, so I'll say it for them. Uh, they can't do this for free. So, uh, my prayer is that you'll stop and ask them what their support needs are. I know that the elders will be talking about. I guess, are already supporting uh, Dan and that ministry. But, you know, we have this thing when you walk in the door leading people everywhere to a devoted relationship with Jesus Christ. Everywhere includes Romania and Ireland and the Des Moines area. So, let's pray. Father, you are a great and awesome God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power which mightily works within us. And I pray, Father, for your spirit to work in us, to continue to speak to us this morning from your word for your glory and for the gain of your kingdom. In your son's name we pray. Amen. What gets you out of bed in the morning? No, coffee doesn't get you out of bed in the morning. It may help after you get out of bed. I was asked that question by a search committee member many, many, many years ago. What gets you out of bed in the morning? I thought that was kind of an odd question for a search committee member to ask a pastor or a guy who was, uh, you know, they were interested in hiring as a pastor. But my mind went immediately to Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that so easily besets us and... Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such contradiction by sinners against himself that you might not grow weary and lose heart. One of the things that gets me out of bed in the morning is a contemplation of what Christ has done for me and what He continues to do in my life. What He gave up helps me to get up. Okay. What He gave up helps me to get up in the morning. In the past several weeks, we've been talking about what does it mean to lead every uh, people everywhere to a devoted relationship to jesus christ where from here where are we going as a church what does it mean to lead people everywhere to a re- devoted relationship with jesus christ it means to to speak up it means to grow up it means to build up it means to be powered up you know, the power of the spirit but we never stop to ask the question why would we even get up i mean why would we even get up to do that stuff and this morning i just want to take a few moments to, to talk about why it is we would share the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ with people. Why would we even spend the time to lead and serve and give and go? And there are just a couple of passages of Scripture I want to camp on this morning. A couple of ideas, two important motivations. These are not the only motivations for why we do what we do. But first of all, we're motivated by the commandments of God. And we're going to look at two of those commandments, not new to you. Matthew chapter 22 is the great commandment, and Matthew chapter 28 is the great commission. We're going to talk about the great commandment first, but before I do that, I want to ask you a question. Every one of you here who's able to understand what I'm saying, you've been in a a car, or you've been in a home, and you've been a child, and your parents say, turn off your light before you... After you leave the room or when you're on your way out. Shut the door behind you when you leave the house. And you say, why should I? Now what's the number one most frustrating response from your parents that you hear? Because I said so. This morning, the first motivation... For getting up is because our Heavenly Father said so. Now, to keep this from becoming a tirade on legalism, to keep it from becoming what Dan Doriani calls Nike Christianity, just do it, we have to understand a little bit about who it is that's telling us what to do. Galatians chapter 3, uh, verse 11. Uh, I think there we have, uh, it says that we should be motivated by the... the we do this because of Christ's love. I'm going to look at it here. Galatians, Ephesians. Galatians chapter 3, verse 11, says this. Now, that no one is justified by the law before God is evident, for the righteous man shall live by faith. We're not justified by the law. It's not just do it, okay? We have to understand that, uh, that godly living amounts to more than just picking ourselves up by the bootstraps and getting on with life. That's how people get turned off to Christianity, because, oh, you're just a bunch of rule keepers. The flip side of that is, yes, we have rules that we need to keep. The rules don't bring us to faith in Christ, but if we're in Christ, we will keep the rules. Okay. I think the main thing we need to understand... or we be careful not to misunderstand is that what we do for God is because of what God has done for us in Christ. So it's not just do it. I mean, if you just get piled on the rules, some of you are just, some of you are bullheaded enough that if you get more rules, you just say, I'm going to prove to them I'm going to do it. And others of you just say, I don't care. I can't do it, so I'm just going to give up. It's not worth trying. Well, neither are right. God says we should do it, but he doesn't leave us there. We can't just, discouragement is not an excuse for failing to do what God calls us to do. I knew a a Christian sister in Christ several years ago, and she was depressed. She was just like, man, I am just, she didn't want to get out of bed in the morning. She just wanted to curl up in a ball and shut the window shades and just kind of lay there and kind of uh, hibernate. But she knew that's not what God wanted. And so she chose to get up out of bed and to find ways to serve other people. And you know what happened? Her obedience taught her to trust God and not her own self and her own feelings. She got up because God the Father says, get up and go. And she served and gave and loved and God met her in her need. And God encouraged her and strengthened her and supported her. And she learned what it was to trust God. She learned what it was to have faith. She learned what it was to see God's provision in her life. There are a couple of examples of rules that God wants us to keep. First is the great commandment. Jesus was asked in this passage in Matthew 22, there's all the big big shots in religion, you know, they were getting together and they were going to have this little powwow. They're going to try to trap Jesus. And so they ask him the one theological question that all of the theologians of the day were debating. They wanted to distill the law, all of the Old Testament law, into one statement. How can you summarize the entire law? And Jesus says, well, it's pretty simple. There's two little phrases. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So the first four, you go to Exodus chapter 20, the first four... Of the Ten Commandments is summarized by love the Lord your God with all your heart. The last six are summarized by love your neighbor as yourself. He distilled it all down into this simple statement. But what does that mean for you and me? Well, loving God with all of who we are means that our best thoughts, our deepest thoughts, our best time, our best energy is focused on God. We love Him as the top priority. Now, that doesn't mean that we just sit around and hum uh, in in a cave somewhere. No, we get out into life and we do life, but it is God who is His Spirit is working in and through us as we live our lives, and He is our priority. Nobody can do this for me. Nobody can do this for you. We can't love God with all our heart for someone else. We must, first of all, know God before we can love God with all of our heart. We must understand that it is His Son who died on the cross, and His death paid the debt I owe, and that I turn from my sin and I trust in Christ as my Lord and Savior, and His resurrection is the power that I have over sin and death. Then I have a relationship with God, and then I can love Him, and then we must seek to love Him intentionally must be the desire of my heart. I pursue it, sometimes in obedience. You know, I don't always get up every morning and feel like I want to read my Bible. But you know what? If I keep at it, God is faithful to meet me in doing it. And so I love God with all my heart. We are to love God with all our heart. And where do we find out what it means to love God? What He wants us to do? How He wants us to live? Well, it's in the Bible. I think He wants us to grow up. To be in the Word and to be people of the Word, to desire Him. One of my favorite passages in the Old Testament is in Psalm 86, verse 11 through 13. Teach me your way, O Lord. This is the prayer of the psalmist. Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I will give thanks to you, O Lord God, with all my heart and glorify your name forever because you have delivered my soul from Sheol. It's redemption salvation a desire to know the God who delivered me and then we must do as John 14 you know he who loves me keeps my commandments he wants us to grow up seconds like it you love your neighbor as yourself love others in the way that we want to be loved and we experienced that here at Creekside you know a few weeks ago the McFadden's opened their home to us and we stayed there and they treated us just like family. You know, the love of Christ. Yesterday there were a bunch of people uh, over at the house uh, doing work that, you know, you you wouldn't really do, some of you wouldn't do it if you got paid to do it. You know, Uh, but they were doing it. It's the love of Christ that, that exudes out of people. Then there's the Great Commission. There's the Great Commandment. Love your neighbor, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Then the great commi- commission, which is to go, right? No, the great commission. Paul, Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. You see, we do what our Father says. It's because I said so. It's because of who He is. All authority, Jesus says, has been given to me in heaven and earth. A couple years ago, I was riding on Ragbrai. the big bike ride across Iowa and we were headed east and we came into this one town and they had a fire truck parked across the highway where we're riding on the bicycles. Well that's because Main Street wasn't on the highway and they wanted to direct people down to Main Street so you'd waste your money on all the stuff that they had for you to do. But they had a little lane open and and because they had no authority to redirect traffic a lot of people just kept going. Seven miles down the road was a major U.S. highway headed north and south, and we're going across it. The state troopers were there, and the state troopers were stopping traffic. And guess what? When the state troopers said, stop, people stopped. Why? Because they have the authority. They have the authority. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. therefore, he says, on the basis of the authority that that go, the compulsion to obey is predicated upon our respect for the authority of the one who gives the command. Now, you guys have probably heard a zillion sermons on Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. In fact, if you read the mission statement of the church as you walk into the building leading people everywhere to a devoted relationship with Jesus Christ, I wasn't here when you formulated that, but I'm guessing that this passage was what you used to formulate that statement because it says leading people everywhere. Make disciples. Go. Make disciples. There's really one command in these verses. One in the, for you English people, one imperative. Make disciples. There are three modifying participles, uh, action words that, are the force of a command that help us know what it means to do to make disciples. So we are called to make disciples, make Jesus followers. And not just people who say, yeah, I know Jesus, but devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Not just people who get up and call themselves Christians, but people who get up and act like Christians because they are Christians. Here they are, modifiers, as you are going. The word go says, go therefore, as you are going. So, where are you going today? That's where you're supposed to make disciples. Where do you go tomorrow? That's where to make disciples. We go in our family, we go in our workplace, we go in our interactions with the people in our neighborhood, wherever we're going. Now, some of you wouldn't choose to go to the bar And play your music. Uh, But, you know, our friends from Romania, that's where they go. Praise God. Because guess what? I think Jesus would go there. Because that's where the people who need Jesus are. Time out. I'd love to have, you can see me after, I'd love to take some of you into some place where the pagans go and just have some open discussions with pagans about what the bible says or some question they have in life you know why is there evil in the world or what you know this kind of stuff wouldn't that that be kind of fun you know it'd be like kind of living on like bungee jumping for jesus you know it's kind of like oh i don't know what's going to happen there but it would be kind of fun it'd be kind of a rush now I, i don't even have permission to say that uh from the from the elders but you know what I think Jesus kind of hung around with the pagans. He says, "Make disciples wherever you're going, baptizing them." Which, you know what's a baptize? What is that idea? Of baptizing. Baptizing is to bring into union with. The idea of baptism is union or identification with. So we are to be about bringing people into the family of God, uniting them by faith in Jesus. Now, I can't do that. That was last week. The Spirit of God is the one who does it. This morning in the first service, if you would read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 30 and 31, it says, by His work, we are in Christ. So baptism is just uniting people by faith. It's standing up and saying, I'm a follower of Jesus. And it's leading people to the place where they are ready to submit and yield their life to Christ, and then they become a follower of Jesus. And guess what? a few weeks, we're going to have a baptism. So if you want to stand up and tell the world, I'm a Jesus follower. I'm one of those devoted people. I'm giving my life to Jesus. You just uh, talk to me or one of the elders after the church or stop at the guest central, and you just say, I want to, I'm interested in this baptism thing. Okay. But isn't it interesting? Because at the close of our service, we're going to celebrate the Lord's table together, which is a testimony that we or a child of god and we're following jesus in our life but how many of us have never taken the step of declaring to the whole world that we have begun a relationship with jesus christ and that's what baptism is i started in jesus communion is i'm continuing in jesus just a word for thought so we're supposed to go we're supposed to baptize and we're supposed to teach people everywhere To observe. This is the great, and I didn't say this, but the great omission of the great commission is we say that we're supposed to teach everything that Jesus commanded. No, we're supposed to teach people to observe. It's easy to teach what Jesus said. It's just really hard to live it. And so we're called to teach people to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. I've got a friend of mine, he's 95 years old, and he's one of the best evangelists I know. And he told me that, uh, several weeks ago in, in my study, he says, a wave doesn't save. Now, what do you mean by that? Waving at people and smiling at people doesn't lead those people to Jesus. And remember I said we lead people We lead, uh, we lead people to Jesus and the Spirit of God leads uh, people or Jesus. No, we, lead, we give people Jesus and the Spirit of God gives Jesus them faith to know Christ personally, okay? Messed it up, but that's all right. You'll forgive me. Uh, It's not our work. It's our work to tell them. It's God's Spirit's work to convict them and bring them to Christ, you know? We bring Christ to people. The Spirit brings people to Christ, okay? We bring Christ to people. The Spirit of God brings people to Christ. All right, so that's what we're supposed to do. How do we do that? Well, why would we do that? Because I said so, God says. Because I said so. This is command of God. Great commission, great commandment, that's what God says to do. When you go to the state fair, if you drive down University Avenue and you go down over to the state fair, there's a lot of little signs that say park here, park here, park here. Why do they want you to park here? Yeah, yeah, it's only $10 to park here, only $10 to park here. Now, what if you had a friend who lived in the neighborhood? Where would you park? you park at your friend's house and you tell your friend, you can't charge me parking here ten bucks. You know, charge the next guy, but I'm parking. Why? Because you have a connection. It is our connection with the God of the universe and the Lord Jesus Christ who gives us the motivation for obedience. It's reverence and respect because of a relationship that we obey Him. Then there we're motivated by the compassion of Christ. If you have your Bibles, you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul in this discussion in chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, is laying out for the church his motivation for why he's serving. And he comes to the final motivation for serving in verses 14 and 15, which I think it's kind of building to a climax. It may not be, but it seems like it. And it's his declaration of what he's doing. It He says in verse 14, For the love of Christ controls us. Now, notice he didn't say our love for Christ controls us. He says the love of Christ controls us. It's Christ's love for us controls us. The word control is an interesting word because it carries with it the idea of constraint or compulsion that directs our activity. It's like I am fixed, I'm doing this, I'm amped up for this. But it also carries the idea of restraint. So that i'm not just doing everything i'm amped for one deal and that it's restraining me to do that one thing christ's love is a dominating compelling love his love for us propelling us to selfless service to do what god wants to love and to give and to speak up grow up build up because we're powered up by the spirit of god that's what the love of christ does There's a movie called The Impossible. And in this movie, it's a story based on a true story of a family that was on vacation in Southeast Asia during the time of the big tsunami in the early 2000s. And the the dad, if you see him in the pool, you see behind him is the wall of water that's coming in the tsunami. And he and his family are separated. The, the, The mother and I think one of the children and the father and two other children are separated from each other on this island because of the tsunami. And all of the whole movie is about them fixated. They are controlled by their love for each other, trying to reunite. They're controlled. That's what they're after, and they're fixated. There are lots of other people that need help, but they don't care so much about them as they do each other. What about us in the church of Jesus Christ? Are we controlled by Christ's love for us? Do we stop to think about what Christ did? For us. Not what we have done for Him, but what He has done for us. Notice the text goes on. It says that one died for all. That's it. That's the manifestation of His love for us. He died for all. Now, three times Paul uses the word all in verses 14 and 15. Christ died for all. Well, what does all mean? Uh, this is the key phrase, whether, you know, you, whether you're a Calvinist or Arminian or whatever you come down, it's, well, what does all mean? Well, I'm just going to share with you what I think it means, and you can debate me afterwards, but all three times it's used here, I think it's a reference to all humanity. I think that Christ died for all humanity. I had a prophet in seminary once, and he put it this way, all means all, and that's all all means. Okay. He died for all humanity yet that becomes problematic because i don't think the verse is teaching universalism i don't think it means that everybody is saved just because christ died what it means is that his death was the representative the substitute death the sacrifice that was for all mankind so in what sense did all die when christ died that's the next phrase what sense did all die when christ died all died in this sense that the penalty that all of us deserve for for our sins was paid and its power was destroyed on the cross of Calvary. Still doesn't answer your question. Christ's death, in my opinion, was sufficient for all, but efficient, effective, appropriated only for those who turn and trust in Christ. So that it was a sufficient sacrifice, but it was only appropriated for those who turn and trust. We had, uh, our son got married several years ago, okay? We, we had to pay for the rehearsal dinner, right? So the wedding party was all invited to the rehearsal dinner, but not everybody showed up. So who benefited from the rehearsal dinner? Everybody who showed up. But we paid for everybody. Christ's death was sufficient for all, but is efficient only for those who put their faith or trust in Christ. And Paul says it's the love of Christ that controls us. When we think that, that how desperately wicked we are and destitute apart from his sacrifice, and then we understand what he gave up, then we get a grip and we are turned from our sin, that his realization that his death that the sinless son of God died in my place. It drives home the magnitude and the marvel of what he did at Calvary. I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. Nobody deserves it. And yet he did it anyway. That's his love for us. And that love motivates us. Paul says, I'm the worst of sinners in 1 Timothy chapter 1.15. There's nobody worse than me, Paul says. Well, I think every one of us could see that too. I wonder to this morning. It's a trustworthy statement, deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and Paul says, I'm the worst one. You know, I'm the worst one. Now, all of you think whoever's cell phone going off is the worst one, right? No, No, it doesn't matter. See, we all sin and fall short of God's glory, but he died so that you, 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 me, all of us, could be forgiven, could be redeemed could be restored, could be in a right relationship with God, He would set us apart so we would be His children and none of us deserve it. That's the marvel of grace. The law only teaches us that we can't keep the law. And we need His grace. What a marvelous thing. What a marvelous thing. When I survey the wondrous cross upon which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should gain or should boast, save in the cross, a death of Christ my King, all the vain things that charm me most. I sacrifice them to your blood. See from my head, his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet. For thorns compose so rich a crown. He died for all, Paul says in verse 15. He died for all that those who live. Now, this is where I'm going with this. Okay, Why get up? He died for all that those who live. Look at the text. Don't look at me. I want you to know this. It's from the text. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves who are those who live there's a subcategory of all for whom he died the ones who live what does it mean those who are alive in christ those turned from their sin and entrusting in christ that all who are alive in christ should no longer live for themselves but for him who what died and rose again on their behalf you see the compulsion the motivation the love of Christ controls me he says, because I consider how unworthy I am and how undeserving I am and what Christ did on my behalf and I am compelled to live for the one who gave me life. Folks, every breath I take, every breath you take is a gift from God to be used for His glory. You don't have to be in full-time vocational ministry, but let me tell you what, if you're here and you know Jesus, you are in ministry. You may not get your paycheck from ministry, but you are in ministry nonetheless. And we live for him who died. Now, interestingly enough, he introduces the intended result. That's the language. In order that is the intended result, not the guaranteed consequence. It's what he intends. But whether it happens has a lot to do with whether we're submissive to it. Only when his death is personally appropriated by our turning from sin and trusting in his death as the payment we deserve and the resurrection as proof of his power will we live eternally. You know the verse, John 3:16. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, not whoever keeps the law, whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even if he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. That's what God has offered to us in Christ. Yes. So, have you personally turned from your sin and trusted in Jesus and his death alone as the payment for your sins? That you would know that you're alive. You're one of these for whom Christ died and you say that I should no longer live for, my, for, for myself but for him who died and rose again on my behalf. If you are, praise God. And if you aren't, then I challenge you and ask you to turn from your sin. Just tell him, Lord, I'm a messed up guy, messed up gal. I'm walking my own path and I know I'm headed in the wrong direction. I want to confess my sin and turn from my sin and trust in Jesus and his death and invite him to be my Lord and to rule and run my life. Now, you don't have to use those words. God knows your heart. Uh, Words aren't magic. It's your spirit that uh, works and gives you the direction, and he'll come in and give you. We're the whole realm of nature mine. That we're a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. That's what gets me out of bed because of what Christ has done for me. I have no other reason to live. I have a purpose to live that transcends me way beyond anything this world could ever offer. And that's the one thing that God gives you. Keep the gospel at the center because the gospel is the reason we live. And regular reminders of the gospel help us understand the depth of our depravity and the marvel of what Christ has done for us. On the cross and this morning as we prepare to celebrate the lord's table that's what we're going to do we're going to remember what christ has done for us there's no better reminder of his sacrificial love and a reminder of our sin that separates us and what he's done for us is to take this bread as a symbol of his death body broken and the blood represented by the cup that would give us understanding that he did this so that those who turn from our sin and trust in him we have this life and as we remember his death and his resurrection, what I'd invite you to do is as the, the, we have some songs, that are being, a song that's being sung, is just to take some time to reflect on our own corruption. I don't know if we do that enough. You know? It's like, okay, what is the, the sin that separates me from God? And just confess it and get it right with the Lord. And then come. If you're here this morning and you're trusting in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are welcome to take the elements of communion. As our brother or sister in Christ, we rejoice in your place in the kingdom and want you to join us and just ask that you take a time to reflect and get your heart right with God before you do. You come, you take the bread, you take it and take the cup right here and then go back to your seats to celebrate what Christ has done for you and to contemplate the motivation, the compelling motivation for Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I just ask that as we take these elements that your spirit would work in us. I just pray that if there's anyone here who doesn't know Jesus, that they do business with you and get their heart right with you and turn from their sin and trust you. And those of us who know you, Lord, may we reflect and ponder our depravity and your forgiveness and your grand sacrifice as we come and take these elements. May it be a time of sober reflection. And then as we leave the tables, may it be a time of great celebration and compelling conviction to go and serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I pray also, Father, that as we take up the offering that follows, that you would use these gifts for your glory and the gain of your kingdom. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. with Paul, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When my great-aunt died a few years ago, my folks were in Arizona, and I loved my great-aunt, but it was basically the wish of my father and my mother uh, that I would attend the funeral. And so, in large part because of my father's love for me and my respect for my father and my mother, that I went to my aunt's funeral. How much more does our Heavenly Father love us? How much more? should we respect his wishes and obey his commands and understand that he sent his only son to sacrifice his life so that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but him who died and rose again on their behalf. So we understand why we should get up and be powered up so that we can speak up and grow up and build up and lead people everywhere to a devoted relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, how deep the Father's love for us, how vast, beyond all measure, that he would give his only Son to make a wretch his treasure. Father, may we leave this place in the power of your Spirit to speak up and to grow up and to build up so that we can be your vessels and your instruments to lead people everywhere to a devoted relationship with Jesus Christ. And if there's anyone here who is in doubt about that, I pray that they would speak to me, that they would cry out to you, and they would gain your wisdom and your Spirit's guidance in turning them from their sin to trust you. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Man, The Lord bless you. You are dismissed please don't miss the opportunity to meet Heidi and uh, Dan and Georgie please they'll be out there in the entryway God bless you thanks for joining us this morning